They didn't use a buffalo horse unless it was to run the buffalo. He wasn't an average everyday horse ride. That horse knew how to be safe around the buffalo and get away from them after they got speared or shot. So they were a special breed of horse, very fast and tough. That's Joanna Potiondi, Mee Blondo, Mitchiff Elder and Knowledge Keeper, speaking about Métis horse culture and our rich Métis history in southern Saskatchewan. She is our guest today on PQK, the Métis Culture Podcast, brought to you by the Métis Nation Saskatchewan and Canadian Geographic. Welcome, Pitigwe Tanshikia. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. I'm a Métis artist and writer living near Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and the host of Pikiuke. Pikiuke means come and visit, and on this series we invite you to join us as we go on a journey, exploring our rich Michif language and Métis culture. Tanshi. Tanshi. Pikiuke. Rubaboo. Over 10 episodes, we travel to Métis communities all over Saskatchewan, talking with Michif elders, educators, artists, and cultural leaders, and learning about what they are doing to keep the Michif language and culture vibrant and alive for future generations. Masi, enjoy! On this episode of Pikiuke, I'm thrilled to be speaking with respected Métis elder, Joanna Potiandi. Grandma Jo's Michif roots reach back to Cuthbert Grant and the earliest founding moments of our people. Now in her 80s, she was raised by her grandparents who were born in the mists of the Métis resistance during the 1880s. She has dedicated her life to sharing the stories and traditions she was raised with, including a deep knowledge of Métis horse culture. And she is also a poet, writing about her love of the land of her birthplace in southern Saskatchewan, like this one. The years go by, I long for my home, my old valley home, to hear the laughter in the kitchen, the smell of the smoke from the old cook stove, the crackling and snapping of the wood as it burns, the smell of the smudge for the horses and cattle, I think of a valley of memories. Joanna Potiandi, Blondo, that's your beautiful poem. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much, Leah. So, Joanna, um, that poem that I just read, can you tell us about that poem? And, and it's about your memory on the land. Can you tell us a little bit about your memories of your home? And Yes, I grew up in the Ross Percy, uh, Saskatchewan, down by the American border. And uh, my grandfather and grandmother raised me. And because my dad went to war, I was born two days after the Second World War, and my mother had to go work in a dairy, so I lived with my grandparents, which my grandfather ran a coal mine called Old Mac. That's right, he did. And uh, that's where I grew up with them, and uh, I was the first grandchild of the family, and and, uh, of course, I was the apple of my grandfather's eye. <laughs> and also ha- learned how to trap with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was helping him skin beavers, six-year-old, dragging him with the dog sled <laughs> up to the house. Because so, we lived on the side of a hill, so I'd help him. That's how I learned about hunting and trapping and grew up in that, in that ideas with horses and 
and we still had horses and wagons and buggies and people still traveled like that as I grew up until yeah, the 50s. That's right. You, Your whole family were horse yeah, people, horse the people. old Métis buffalo yeah, runners yeah. And, and descendants yeah, right. of the buffalo hunt. And as of today, I still have horses and uh, my farm wouldn't be a home without them. It's true. And like you yeah. said, you know, your whole life has been with horses in with your family. Horses and, family yeah. and you're 81 years young and still yeah, living yes. on the farm. When I was a child, I had to steal the neighbor's horses, so I had a horse to ride with the rest of them. <laughs> it must be your matey heritage. Yeah, it, was, it was hereditary. <laughs> I think so. Joanna, can you tell us a little bit about the gun? I know you are a descendant of Cuthbert Grant, and you inherited... Yes, um, his guns. when uh, I was the first grandchild, and of course raised with my grandfather, and when he married my grandmother, which was Pierre Gardepi's granddaughter, and Pierre Gardepi was married to Cuthbert Grant's daughter, well, and uh, that's so right. right. that's how the gun came into my possession. I still have it. It's a shotgun, uh, and uh, it's a 12-gauge. It's got a crippled stock and inlaid silver because oh it came from England, apparently. Yeah, because of English Métis roots, eh? So yes. they were able to trade and, with the yes. bay. Cutford Grant, of course, was Scotch. And I had one of his descendants down for Cutford Grant days down at Labrette a few oh, years ago. Okay. Right? And he was, uh, he was a sir and a lord. Oh, my goodness. And I asked him, oh, how do you get to be that? And he said... With the uh, European traditions, we go by four feathers, he said. And the queen has four, and I have three. So he was very important. Wow. I was, I didn't understand their political lives, but, and uh, right. he was born into it. So, but very, very nice. And I just, and got invitation. And most of us from the Grant family, tree was invited to mm -hmm. Scotland and they gave us a clan paper. So oh. I was very proud of that. And all these English Métis roots, yeah, you're a Blondo Scotch, also. Yeah. So you have the best of both worlds. You have English Métis and French, French Métis yep. roots. Isn't that something? Yes, very proud of my heritage. Oh, it's a beautiful heritage you have, Grandma Jo. Can I share a quick story about yes. your nickname, Grambo? Yes, yes you can. <laughs> she's a crack shot, everyone. And they, in her family, they call her Grambo because she's such a good hunter. <laughs> And the neighbors do. <laughs> she, hey, it's she still lives on a farm and has her gun right by the door, right, Grandma? Right. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness! So, Pierre Gardepi is one of your descendants. He was jailed in yes. Stony Mountain. Can you tell our listeners about that experience? Well, yeah, there he was, and then he ended up very sick after he went to jail, and they were going to hang him with Riel. Uh huh. And. Um, he accidentally, or whatever happened, he got very sick with uh, pneumonia, and they sent him home earlier, and he All passed right. away from, I don't know if he died from there, because I haven't got yeah. that research done yet. But. Yeah. But he's buried at Batash there. Right, back in the homeland. Yeah, back in the homeland. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's so interesting. So many of our Métis were put in jail after 1885, and it's been a hard history for us, you and, know? And my grandmother's... Uh, father, he was shot at Batash, and after the resistance, uh, he mm -hmm. came south, and they were going to go across the border, 
and uh, they got up to Ross Percy and they got Homestead Land and mm -hmm. his name was Charlie Gardapi. Okay. Yes. And okay. Uh, yeah, and that's, and like he had a wounded arm and he had a mm -hmm. nice farm there along the river. Beautiful land. Yeah, it's beautiful land and uh, that's where I grew up with them and, uh, and his, uh, my grandmother's brother was my godfather. So I would oh. spend a lot of time there. You were just around elders uh, yeah, all, the, all time. the time. Yeah, all the time. Do you have a special memory you can share about your grandfather who raised you? Uh, yeah, he was uh, very, very traditional, and uh, he knew things that we don't know how. He uh, had like the, the gift. Aboriginal yeah. people of Australia, they, they know things before they happen, and he was one of them. Yes. Well, I have many stories that, um, that he... Uh, told and uh, during thrashing time there was one incident that happened a young man asked him to read the teacup and he said no he didn't want to mm -hmm. and then the young man persisted right and uh, so he finally he read the cup and he told him he said you better get on this farmer's fastest horse and go home he was 12 miles from home oh, okay and he said uh, you better get on and he said ah oh, yeah right and he said no you must and he so the farmer that owned the land said take that horse and he did and he made it home to talk to his dad his dad died a few minutes after he got home oh. and uh, you know he, horse flipped over on him and oh, crushed okay. him oh so geez. he he wrecked his lungs and he didn't he, make it no he didn't make it but the, the his son made it to see him before he passed that's the gift your grandfather had yeah. people came from everywhere to talk and visits yeah. your home yes. was always with tea and visiting yeah. and yeah a lot of people there and my grandfather ran that coal mine many years and until he got too old to do that Right, right. And I think I was in seven floods at Ross Percy. We were really? we were right along the river, the river. Seward yeah. River. Yeah. And uh, I think it's uh, a very historical place down there. And um, well, yeah, it is a beautiful river valley. It's it's so known. <laughs> Custer had his initials car or name carved into our sandstone. Things down there. Whoa. I've seen that many oh, times. Oh my yes. goodness! We gotta go. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they're okay. still up, but they were. Yes. Oh my goodness! Jeez, jeez. Very historical. It is. And when I was at, uh, about six, seven year old, the First Nations from Carlisle, White Bear, would come down to the Easter for when the sun came through the Ross Percy Hole there, in the rocks. Okay. That's French for a hole in the rock, Ross Percy. Oh, okay. And uh, they'd come there for their Easter celebration. So, ah. and that's when I first seen. Uh, so it's a sacred site, really, yes, in so many site. ways. Yeah. Such a special place. It's only about three miles from the American border. Ah, ah. And the river runs. Once the Sewers River hits the American side. And then it turns into Mouse River, because oh, that's what okay. a Suri is, is a mouse. Oh, yeah, French. that's right. And your family spoke Michif. Yes, my grandfather spoke many languages of the, of I, the, yeah. the Cree and the Sioux and whatever was around, he, he understood the language. Right. Yeah. But their home was in the Michif yeah. language, Oh, yeah. Right? The, yeah, very, very 
speaking. He was born at uh, Fort Alice. Okay. That's in Manitoba, and the Gardapis and the Blondos came up from the Red River. Right. Mitchiff is something that uh, you heard all your life. Yes, I heard and all my life. And you, do you speak? I don't speak it, oh, but I can understand okay. quite a bit of it. Yeah, yes. I've noticed you You were able to respond in English and hear most of what's yeah. going on. <laughs> and also, when my mother and my aunts went to school at Ross Percy, they talked our language. They would get a whipping with wet willows that the principal would put into the water and when he heard them speak in our language, it, when they had their lunch, he would, they would get wet on the legs with that wet willows. That must have been a reason why they didn't want you to have they the language to protect speak. you. Yeah, they, they protected me from talking our Michif language. Well, they probably didn't want that to happen no, to you. No, and the rest of the family, no. Oh, so. absolutely. Tough things to live through, eh, Joe? Yeah, when you think of it, you know, it was, uh, I heard it as I grew up, but not... Every single time, but when I walk in, they would be talking English. Yeah, trying to give you the language yes, so you can yes. navigate in the world, eh? Yeah. Navigate in the world. Oh, jeepers. Do you have um, Mitch of Foods and cultural traditions? Oh, yes. Do you have favorite traditional Mitch of Foods? Oh, yes, I have bannock all the time, and uh, and I can snare rabbit if I... We haven't got many, and we're, oh, we shouldn't okay. be eating them where I grow up, where I am now. Because of the sprays, everything sprayed, our, even our deer are into that spray, and the farmers have big, big fields. Yeah, that's a concern. And they just spray with the airplanes, and it's all over everything. So you really can't even enjoy uh, elk or moose or deer, which the moose and elk just moved in the last few years down mm. to our area by Melville. Okay. Yeah, by Kapow Valley. Yeah, we have to be very aware of the land we harvest in now. Eh? And it's we can't hardly eat the berries unless we go find where there's no spray. Right. I, that's I, impossible. you got to be careful. You're right. Absolutely. So, yeah, and you've done so well on traditional Mitcha foods. You're 81 and you're still active and healthy. <laughs> and I drive all over with my truck and trailer and go I know. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have a dog or a horse with me, but... <laughs> yeah, it's... It's uh, yeah. hard to travel that way these days. Uh, Grandma Jo, you, um, do you cook like rubaboo stew and yeah, all those I old can, traditional? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I can cook all our traditional foods, but I thought pierogies and cabbage rolls were our traditional food because I grew up with Ukrainian and German and Welsh and all those in our school. So I never thought of our own traditional food till later on. Then you realize, and then you know. I realized I knew how to cook those too. But uh, don't give me bacon. My yeah. son's going to sell my bannocks to the NHL for chest protectors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's. <laughs> he means well, Joe. <laughs> uh, so, do you remember dances and oh, yes. in your home? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, I have my grandmother's uh, family, the Gardapis, they were really, really exceptional jiggers, and they won all over the place when they'd have contests up and down the valleys. Okay. And around Estevan, up to McCoon and Mydale, all the people used to gather those days and come to places and spend the summers and, and get hunting and gathering stuff, and mm -hmm. women would be canning, and uh, yeah. It oh, was wonderful absolutely. times for me to grow up. 
Well, they used to clear out the home and yeah, fiddlers and the out. guitar yeah. and just everything. dance all night, yep. eh? Those are such beautiful memories. And then memories. they challenge each each place. Like somebody came from Frobisher or, or Bean Fate, they'd say, get up, Bean Fate, show us your step, and then they'd get up yeah. and dance. It was wonderful. Yeah. little healthy competition, right? Yes, just fun and laughter. And yeah. us, Métis, you know, a little healthy competition is Never makes us hurts. work harder to, you know, and we're yeah. not scared of the show. <laughs> yes. And up till a few years ago, I was still helping with chariot teams and rodeos mm -hmm. and everything. Oh, absolutely. And my daughter and is, still has show horses. I don't have show horses. I have a a great great grandson, a secretariat for a saddle horse, and he's getting up there like I am. Yeah. And I saw the papers. You yes. showed me the papers yes, last do. summer. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, I really know that that horse, the horse lifestyle has been in your family and, and it yeah, still it's, is. It's really part of my, my world. Oh, isn't it though? I think that's how you met Norm Fleury. Yes. I'll, um, Mitch yeah. Felder. Working for yeah. Fulliards at, at St. Lazar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Small world it is. Oh, yes. He, <laughs> he, he's a good friend of mine. We yeah. have good stories. Oh, together. I imagine. I'd love to hear you too. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some tea and Lee Galette yeah, and, 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 and some deviled eggs. Absolutely, yeah, and some yeah. deviled eggs. One of my faves. <laughs> Grandma Jo, you sew. You sew a special type of coat called the capoke. Can you tell our listeners about that? And Yes, I was uh, uh, sewing with uh, making couples for many years already. Cheryl Troop got me into that she, mm -hmm. when she was in with Dumont and uh, Reset, Mr. Reset. Calvin Reset, that's Calvin. right, right. They, they needed a couple for the display, so mm -hmm. they asked me if I'd sew one, and I did, and I've been going since. You know, you're one of the first Métis to bring that blanket yeah. coat back, and, because it was almost yeah. lost. Yep. And then you started making them and doing workshops, yep. and it's just wonderful to bring those those yes. beautiful clothing traditions back. Yes. Grandma, you um, ran an upholstery shop. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's such an important part of training our people. Yes, I uh, ran, uh, I worked uh, training. Uh, first, I took the course, and okay. then I ended up with a gallbladder operation. Then I had to wait till the next year to finish it, so I did that. Okay. And before I got my complete a course done, they sent me out to teach. So that's how I've been going since. Mm, and then you opened your shop and yeah. you taught to Métis I, people. Yes, we had our, uh, uh, I guess, 17 years of, of uh, teaching uh, every winter uh, our classes. And they were three months at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of people in the South took my classes. and And I had to drive... And I also had cattle at home to look after and horses, so I had to get up pretty early. Oh, yes. And I had an hour drive ahead of me every morning. So I did all that, and the people where I worked in the little towns, they said they could set their clock by me driving into town. <laughs> <laughs> and winter, no matter what kind of weather, I'd be gone. Well, you know, you're the kind of grandmother, you know, you just, when you say you're there, you're there and you get the job done. You've always been yes. so hardworking, Grandma Joe. Oh, my goodness I gracious. I don't like to give my word unless I can do it. <laughs> I know, you're such a beautiful gift. Trading and doing business in the Métis culture, um, 
how your family's been entrepreneurial. Uh, tell us about your grandpa's coal and yeah, and my that grandfather industry. ran a coal mine during the war and uh, and before that, of course. And uh, he he was a we had a mule, and uh, yeah, and uh, there would be about seven eight coal mine guys working in the coal mine. I also have his coal mining. Um, Light that they right, wear, that's that right. they wore down in the down in the coal mines, and that was uh, that was east of Ross Percy, about okay. three miles at where the mine is. I, it's I can still find it if I went. Oh, absolutely! Well, yeah, because you used to as a kid. Yeah, that's just, my home. That's your home yeah. territory, absolutely. And you're you're he hired a lot of Métis people too. Yes, eh? all Métis. People. All Métis workforce. Just... Yeah, because up in the coal mine at the M and S mines in the Briquette plant, they had everybody. They had that's how I knew about all kinds of foods. They had the Welsh people and the English people that oh, worked yes. and come from coal mines during the war times. Right. That came down to ha- work. Right, right. That couldn't go to war because nobody's perfect and they always want perfect people. <laughs> and in my yeah. family, all I would say just offhand, there would be about 22 vets in my family. And a lot of them are named on the Vitarsh oh, yeah. Memorial. The beautiful commemorative yes. plaque for yep. our Métis veterans. Yes, we have a beautiful one there. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think to twenty-two. We found my son and I found twenty-two of our immediate families on there. Yeah, and same with us Dorians. We've been we're you know, and the Cumberland House community yes. was fifty percent of our men went to war, and some yes. women too. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Grandma Jo, you know, horses and, you know, you come from a buffalo hunt Métis, a yes. trading Métis. Uh, can you tell us about buffalo horses and, well, and they buffalo were, runners? Well, they were a special breed and they didn't use a buffalo horse unless it was to run the buffalo. Right. So he wasn't an average everyday horse ride. So when the that horse knew when it was going to be running after the buffalo, that's what it did. It's like the cutting horses a quarter horse people have. The buffalo horses knew how to be safe around the buffalo and get away from them when mm-hmm. after they got speared or shot. Yeah. So they were a special breed of horse, but they were very fast and tough. They were. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Our Métis horsemanship was amazing, that yeah. we were able to work with and train our horses. Yes, and also during the buffalo hunts, our, our people each had their colors and they'd drop them on the buffalo they killed. That's right. And it could be their sash, it could be the colors they have, and that's what rags and yeah. on their own. So the family knew what buffalo was theirs. To go, yeah, you got yeah, to cut it up yeah. and dry the meat to make pemmican. Everything. Yeah, that, they yes. knew. They knew how to get the job and, done. And uh, that horse, when uh, the anything happened, the horses were in the middle of the carts. Uh, they, they faced their carts in, and the ho- those horses stayed in in that circle. Yeah. There was a horse for every job, eh? Yeah, a horse for every yeah, job. Yeah, a horse yeah. for every job. And every horse has a different personality, oh, don't yes, they? for sure. <laughs> uh, just like people. How has living and caring for horses impacted you, Grandma Jo? I think that's what made my world because I was, as a child, I wanted a horse all my life and we didn't, we only had a mule. Mm-hmm. And I uh, would ride the neighbor's horses and train them for the summer and then they would have a broke horse for the winter and they were always, 
laughing at me because I would go steal their, their horses. <laughs> and, and they always were happy that I stole them because I would look after them and train them. Yeah. And they would have a horse they could use after that. Yeah, and you're a natural working with our horses. Yeah. The communication, eh? Yeah. You communicate with them. And for then sure. when the horses went home, they come back to my house. Yeah, that was home for them. <laughs> Still today. <laughs> yes, for sure. Oh, Grandma Joe. So, you know, you've been given a lot of recognition by our community. You won an award in Regina. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about receiving that Métis Woman Award? Well, that was very, that was the most honorable Métis Woman, I think. It was, I think Something so. Like yeah, that. yeah. But that was very, very uh, humbling because there's so many young people like Arlea here that Aww. deserve it where I, I guess I grew into it instead of, <laughs> it's funny, about eh? how, oh yeah. my gosh, and all these young women that are lawyers and nurses and everything, they have to have recognition, because it's not easy being a Métis. It's a lot of work, a yes, lot of we work gotta to prove break ourselves more than anybody else. Yeah, that's so and, true. Uh, yeah, and my daughter is a court worker and a horse trainer, and mm -hmm. she does dressage with her horses mm. and raises Appaloosas, and that was a uh, uh, thing that, you know, there was no computers or any of that when she was growing up either, mm -hmm. and, and then she was a court worker and a victim service worker for many years and a employment counselor for many years, so... Now she's enjoying her dog training, and and my granddaughters they showed in the 4-H with cattle mm -hmm. and won awards with that, and my one granddaughter won in rural wow. Toronto. It's it's like a natural thing always for you Métis women there to work with animals yeah. and training. Yeah. What a natural thing to go from horse training to dog training. <laughs> yeah. Well, she always had, we always had dogs. Dogs right. were to get our ducks and to round up cattle and. Everything. Yeah. So they all had a purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Working and animals. Later on, my dogs were just guard dogs, and mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. and we and me and my dog and I, we would get shooting raccoons and hunting raccoons, and <laughs> shooting them off the staff. And, <laughs> <laughs> you were a team. <laughs> I, we were a team. Yes. A team. Your dog assistant. Well, it's always important to have, you know, uh, animals in your life. It makes life more rich. Yes, I think that what kept me calm all my life was mm -hmm. animals. I could look out my patio door and see all the horses eating and seeing mm -hmm. if they were fine and everything. And today, yeah. I have to have horses in my sight. You know, you're always going to have them, Joe, in your yeah. life. I think you are. And yeah. you're just, it's just who you are. Now, thinking about the Métis and Mitch of culture, what are some of the most important values that your elders have taught you about living well? Well, when I first started school, and I was all worried about that. And I told my grandfather, and he said, Joanne, when you go to school, he said, you treat everybody like you want to be treated and you'll be fine and to this day that's the truth so it's, it's the most true yeah. word of advice if we could all yes. live by that what a gift he gave to you yes and uh yeah. today i've got friends all over the country and all over canada and and that keep track of me and seeing how i am mm -hmm. but yes i'm very proud of that 
And, you know, everyone is in our community knows that you're going to tell them the truth and you're going to be direct and honest. <laughs> yeah, I do have a way about it. You do. It's, I think it's the gift you bring. Um, that's so important. Keep people on their toes. <laughs> yes, we have an obligation and also we have an obligation to our elders. And now that I'm finding out what it is to be one, mm-hmm. and I've been very fortunate my husband died a couple of years ago, and now I have my son living with me. Right. And I've been very fortunate to have him because I could not stand living in a city. It's it not was you. not no. me because my horse don't fit in the old folks' <laughs> elevator. And that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's part of your spirit. Yeah, I couldn't go without my horses wherever I was going. Well, and it's kind of interesting because um, in the Métis traditions, there was always people, old people stayed with their family. And yes, the, nobody took them to the old folks' home. No. No, folks home would throw me out probably in a couple of days. <laughs> so God bless your son for carrying on an old yeah. Métis family yeah. type tradition. Yeah. with our And we, we both hunt and uh, trap and, you know, a lot of things that he hadn't learned. I've been teaching him and mm-hmm. uh, of the traditional ways and stories about the families and he yep. really enjoys that. Yeah. That's and that's the benefit of living in intergenerational homes yeah. today. I think we're gonna need to get back to that. We have to. We have to. We have to look after our people. And our each other. Yes. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. You made your son a capo. Yes. And he wears that when he hunts yet. It was it was a nineteen twenties Oh, okay. by the label that we found and the numbers, and it was made 1920. That that red. blanket, oh, yeah. that red, that nice vibrant Beautiful red, red. Yeah. wool and blanket. He wears that hunting yet. Oh, he still does. Yes. Oh, good for him. It's a full of grachas. <laughs> everybody knows what that is. Those are burrs. Yeah, <laughs> burdocks. <laughs> full of that. Burdock burrs. He, yeah. He told me. He said, "Now I know what the Métis women did in the evening after the hunter came home." Pulled all them out of there. That's right. Eh? <laughs> oh, I just love how um, you know you're still keeping those those land traditions, those traditional yes. things in your family. So that's so important. You grew up on a road allowance. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your road allowance area? Well, we grew up when I would came, finally came and lived in Estevan with my mother and dad. In the summertime, I would go and live with them. We lived on a road allowance, and dad came home from the war and we were had to work with the heavy equipment so we worked mm-hmm. in Estevan and the, and all summer and the winter he worked in the coal mine down at Ross Percy mm-hmm. and because my yeah. grandfather had quit by then it was Banks's coal mine it had mm-hmm. another name and then mm-hmm. he worked there every winter Absolutely. and then my sisters and and I would sometimes go stay with them and We'd go to school in Ross Percy, and there's still pictures of us in the school down there. Mm, that's yeah. uh, just always um, working. It's such a working culture, eh? Yes. Yeah. So, Mitch, if we. So, Joe, Grandma Joe, we're just about winding up here. And do you have any parting advice you want to give to our listeners? Uh, yes, there is, there is some advice. There, I would like to make sure that everybody that could teach their children our Michif language because it's so colorful and the stories are so much better in our Mm -hmm, Michif language. mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of my big things that I would hope people do because Dumont has uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 
teachings for the Métis or whoever wants to learn because yeah. a lot of our families are so mixed. So yeah. I think that's a big thing to keep our Michif language going. And to sit with the old people who speak the Michif. And, yes, and, oh yeah. You know, sit with our and elders. And there's still elders that can just speak fluent. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Grandma Joe, for joining us here today. Thank you very much and for all the listeners. I hope we get over this COVID. I'm with you, dear. <laughs> thank you, Grandma Joe. Masi. Masi. That's it for this episode of Picky UK. Come and visit a Métis Nation of Saskatchewan and Canadian Geographic podcast. Picky UK is produced by David McGuffin of Explore Podcast Productions. Our opening and closing theme music is by Métis Fiddler Adam Daniel and me, Leah Dorian. And if you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star rating or write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and tell your friends about us on social media. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. Until next time, keep up the midden. See you later. Hey.